0: Point Guard is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm going to name my point guard, and I'm just going to give him a jump shot because he did everything great. Jason Kidd. That's my point guard, and I'm going to give him Steph Curry's jump shot or even Mark Price's jump shot. Listen, I've never played point guard in my life until I was a my rookie year in the NBA. And if if that ain't the hardest position to get thrown into, you know, especially when you have a uh, Scottie Pippen and a Keem Olajuwon and a Charles Barkley, man, you know, uh, you had to limit your mistakes. I didn't really have to do much, right? I just control what I could control. You know, I was topping the sister-turnover ratio. Um, and then when you have those guys like that that are so good, you know, you don't really have to play with the ball as much, right? Um, you know, Hopefully y'all don't get stripped. Um, and then, uh, you know, you pass it inside and go to a, a corner. So that was my rookie year. I made our rookie team doing that. Um, but I, I credit a lot of that Uh, my rookie year preparation of playing a point or just, you know, being a basketball player, period. But actually playing the point was to Alvin Williams, who played for Villanova, and then he played for Portland and Toronto. So he helped me with a lot of my point guard skills um, growing up because Alvin was always a point guard. So he was, you know, the smart point guard to get everybody involved. And I think for me, um, being in my rookie year, I just wanted to be on the floor. So the coach told me, You know, you got to pick up trash, you know, after games, then that's what I had to do. So that was that was my thing. I I encourage children, younger kids, uh, whatever the the position is in any sport that controls the game, the playmaker. I think you should learn that one first, because, see, when you once you learn that one, I think the, the whole perspective, perspective of the whole spectrum of the game opens up right so when uh, you know uh boxing of course you your own point guard right but in in football I was a quarterback right and then I moved to wide receiver but then back to quarterback but it shows me, you know, my my old, my, old line, uh, my back, my backfield, my, my receivers slots, you know, post all my guys. I know exactly. I know my def. I know what the defense is going to do to us. So I'm understanding the game from a bigger perspective than a a three or a four or a five man, right, or a two, even a two guy, right. They just learn in their positions. So it's for us as point guards to get everybody in their positions because see what the coach usually does is a coach will say, "Yo, listen, cat, uh, um, listen, we're going to run this play." And then we're going to run this play. Then we're going to run this play. So you got to remember three plays. And if you if you score my rookie year and Rudy Tom Johnson was like this, if you score on that play, run it again, right? Keep running it, and then don't look over here no more. If you don't score, run the next play. So now I got to. It may be four or five plays down down the line. I have to remember the next play and then put everybody in a position. Now I got to figure out. Okay, Akeem likes it over here. This person likes it over there. Uh, they were hot over here. Like I'm, I'm I'm becoming a little more strategic of how I, you know, enter the game mentally, right? So uh, w- w- um, can I get Corey McGetty uh, the ball early so he can get us in the bonus early as a team because myself, Sam Cassell and Elton Brand attacks the rim. So if Corey gets us in the bonus early, it kind of, we dictate the game. It's like just different things like that. So, you know, um, I advise any younger person to learn the point guard position just for that perspective, right? It's just like, you know, I'm a single dad. So, I, you know, I have my own household. So, <laughs> you know, cooking and the cleaning and the this and the kids and the packing the lunches and I, I got to do it, you know, and, and as much as you want, you know, uh, uh, the family because the mother, she does an amazing job as well. But, you know, it's it's, it's as much as, you, you know, you can't d- depend on someone else to do something because then when they're not there, what do I do? Right. It's like, yo, turn the channel for me. And then they go and you're like, I don't even know how to work the remote. (laughs) It's like, I need to learn how to do all this myself. So I think that perspective is being the point guard in life, right? And you don't really have to really control it, but just understand it. So when those people are not there, then your your leadership skills starts to kick in. You know, when Steve came in, um, uh, you know, he was phenomenal to me uh, and to a lot of people. You know, he's super explosive. I mean, he was the only guard uh, that I saw on a nightly basis that would get 10, 12, 15 boards. And this is at a time where Baron and Steve were the shorter guards in the league. And we at that time in the early 2000s, at that time, the league was predominantly seven footers. So you had the it was an inside out game. And these guys are going in and attacking the Jermaine O'Neal's and the Rasheed Wallace's and the Tim Duncan's and the list goes on, uh, Alonzo Mornings. It didn't matter. Um, and to see Steve every single day, regardless of, of Akeem Olajuwon being uh, older or Charles Barkley or Calvin Cato was younger at the time, practice was even amazing. You know, And he kind of taught me how to attack the rim uh, because I picked up a ball at 13. I wasn't even a basketball player. I was a boxer and football player. So in playing basketball, you know, with guys better than you, um, I think that's what helped me elevate watching Steve crash the boards on offense and dunking it over big guys. I'm like, I think I can do that too. So I think that's what helped me with Steve was to use my athleticism uh, to the best of my ability. We had a really good squad as well. I mean, Steve was at the one, I was at the two. Jimmy Jackson was at the three, who's amazing, you know, all around player. Um, and then Calvin Cato and Yao Ming. So we had a a really great squad, and we had guys coming off the bench. But, you know, just to see that team with Gary Payton, you know, who's one of the best point guards ever, and then you have Kobe Bryant, who's arguably (laughs) the best shooting guard ever, you know, um, and then you have uh, Rick Fox, who's one of the best role players, and Derek Fisher's coming off the bench, and then Carl Malone, one of the best power forwards. Uh, We played, actually played each other nine times that year. Nine times we played each other, and it was 5-4 Lakers. So um, Carl Malone had a great game in that series. I think he had about 30 one game, and that's what kind of put them over that hump uh, because Kobe was shooting a little poorly um, at the time. And I mean, it was so many guys you had to get the ball to, right? Um, And GP did a great job. Derek Fisher did a great job. But then you have Phil Jackson kind of settling everybody. And then, of course, Kobe and Shaq were the monsters of that team. So... You know, it just so happened that uh, we wanted Carl Malone to beat us. And he beat us, you know, one of those games, which, you know, kind of hurt us a little bit because we figured if we get past them, we were going to, not saying cruise, but we we had a better chance of, you know, getting all the way to the NBA Finals. But, you know, things happen. But, you know, and having that and then looking back now and watching so many of great players and literally on the floor with those guys, to me, you know, and at my time, I was one of the top guys out there. But just to look at that and say, wow, you have Kobe, you have Gary, you have Carl, you have Phil on the sideline, you have Tex on the sideline, Tex went on the sideline, who is the, you know, Zen master, basically. Um, uh, D- D- Derek Fisher is like so many winners on that side, you know, and, you know, uh you know, Kobe and Shaq and those guys were so blessed to be around so much winning, especially at a younger time in their life. That even when adversity would hit, you had the GPS, the the Robert Oris, and the Phil Jacksons and the Tex Winners to kind of settle you, you know. And you know, it's you know, I I believe in I believe in in these type of destinies. Where uh, when I was a rookie, Roddick Rhodes, there was six guys that were in front of me. And when I was a rookie, Roddick Rose, who I, I loved, he was amazing, played for Kentucky. He was an all-around player. And he tore his shoulder. And when he tore his shoulder, that gave me a little bit of room to come in and play off the bench. And then Scottie Pippen. I mean, the gods, the basketball gods in the universe kind of helped me and pushed me forward because my two favorite players coming out of um, college were Scottie Pippen and Eddie Jones. I literally had their basketball cards in my wallet. So Eddie Jones was a close friend of mine because he went to Temple. I'm from Philadelphia, and then Scottie Pippen. I didn't know from a can of spray paint. Just so happened that I get drafted to the to the Houston Rockets, and Scottie Pippen gets traded to the Houston Rockets. I'm like, oh man, I, come on, this it just it's too much, right? So you know, Scotty pushed me, and just to be in a, in a part of all of that for me. Man, and going back to this 2004 and watching that on being on the floor, watching all those guys, it's just a certain destiny that, you know, we, you know, you have to like really absorb and, and really enjoy the moments. Right. And I don't think I really enjoyed the moment as much as I should have. Right. And really took everything in it. And I, the, the person that I admire the most out of anybody I've ever met in my life that I've really seen take the moment and not care what no one said is Kobe, not care what no one said, but literally, because some people, they absorb the moment, they work hard, but they don't really become selfish with inside themselves and say, you know what, I don't care about nothing else, I'm going to be so good that it may tick people off, but I'm going to stick to my destiny, and you know, a lot of us veer off, you know, we veer off at certain points, and some, some come back, and some don't, you know. Uh, I was just looking at something about Tiger Woods and it was just that, you know, him maybe doing whatever he was doing in crash. I don't know if he was alcohol. I don't know what it was, but then today the it's just that laser focus for a certain amount of time. Kobe's always had from when we were kids uh, until he passed, um, which hurt me a lot, you know, cause growing up together, uh, you know, that's one of your peers, one of your brothers that you kind of inspired you to become what you are at that moment in time. And, some people you, you think is going to live to their in the hundreds, right? <laughs> and he was one of those guys. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's just one of those moments, man, where, you know, it, it's it, it, it's numb, right? Being on that floor and then having so many greats on the floor. And then you're saying to yourself, damn, man, like I'm, I'm a part of this group, you know? So, you know, it was it a was special moment and, and I should have seized it more, right? I should have really seized it more. But again... Again, this is a, it's an experience that you really have to go through first and just to enjoy the next time something, blessings like that happen. You have to be aware of them. Yo, yo, we got to tap in real quick. We, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. It was it a was point in my life where, um, you know, uh, I'm going to go back a little bit because You know, I thought Steve Francis and I would retire as Rockets, Houston Rockets, right? Um, I thought we had a great year, uh, the year we were traded. Uh, It's just that we've, you know, we just so happened to be at the super team with uh, the Lakers when they had Gary Payton and Kobe and then Rick Fox and, you know, Carl Malone was at the four and Shaquille Nil was at the five. And then you had all these guys coming off the bench that were amazing, uh, you know, Derek Fisher and all those guys. So, you know, we lost in a five-game series. Um, they, they, they went on to lose, um, to the Detroit Pistons that year. Um, but, uh, you know, it goes back from then. And, you know, at the time they were saying they wouldn't trade Steve and I, we were fine. We thought we were fine. We we were looking at the, you know, when they were, um, building a new arena and we're helping design the, the uniforms, man, you didn't even, you know, you couldn't expect that at all. So we go to Orlando and Orlando, the year before, only won 18 games with Tracy McGrady and those guys. So we had just lost to the, you know, the people, the guys who lost to the super team who lost to, you know, Detroit. So I'm, I'm sitting there like we, three starters go from, uh, we, I think we were like third or fourth ranked in the history defensively, defensive field goals in, in the league ever. At the time with Tom Thibodeau and Jeff Van Gundy, so I'm not thinking we're going anywhere. But you know, we get traded. You know, it's business. And Tracy McGrady, Jawan Howard, and three other guys, uh, Ty Lu, he goes over. Five of them go over to the Houston, and myself, Steve Francis, and Calvin Cato, three starters from the 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 Houston team goes to Orlando. We go and we start winning. We're in the top in, in the East at the moment. I get hurt. I get little little knickknacks or whatever. I think it's my calf or whatever. But we're still winning. I'm I'm shooting forty something percent from three. Steve is doing his thing. Cato Dwight Howard was a rookie. Jameer Nelson was a rookie. Heated Turkle was coming off the bench. Uh, Grant Hill was uh, at the three. Uh, we had a great squad, and then um, it took a turn. It took a turn because you know Johnny Johnny Davis was our coach, uh, and we were winning. And he came up to us, Steve and I, and he said uh, something that we're not used to. He said, I think you're going to have to start sharing time with the rookies. So we were like, wait, what? We're in our sixth year. What are you talking about? This is prime. Like, we can get this team popping. What are you talking about? So I, I didn't like that. And it was my contract year. You know, and I'm shooting forty 44 from three. i I'm Listen, we're not going to do this one, buddy. <laughs> They're going to have to wait like anybody else. And Jameer was my young boy from Philadelphia. You know, he's from Chester. And then, you know, you had Deshaun Stevenson. You had Keith Bogans. We had a a strong, young team. And, uh, you know, I asked for the trade. And, you know, uh, the GM at the time, he, you know, was my guy. He tells me, he says, listen, where do you want to go? So I'm like, you know what, um what are my choices? You know, well, he gave me a couple of choices and he said Sacramento. I said, yo, yeah, I like Sacramento. Those guys pass the ball. They play well. They're winners. I'm going to go over there. So we were going to Boston. Um, and he told me not to suit up and at literally, uh, right before I went out on the floor and I knew it was a trade now. Um, so I go, I get traded and I go to, uh, you know, I get, get to Sacramento, myself or Doug Christie. Doug Christie went over to Orlando. I go to Sacramento. I'm with Bibby, Brad Miller, Chris Weber, um, Paige Stoyakovich. I mean, um, Matt Barnes was there as my guy. I love him. Um, 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 Kevin Martin was there. It was, it was a nice group. Nice group. We uh we did pretty well. We lost to Seattle in the playoffs with Ray and uh, Rashad Lewis. But, um you know, we had a nice group. We had a nice group of guys. Mike Bibby, I got one year with Mike, and uh, Mike was, uh, his IQ is super high. Uh, You know, he wasn't as athletic as uh, a Steve Francis, you know, not too many point guards was like that. It's just, it was Baron Davis and Steve Francis um, in my era that were the most explosive uh, point guards. And um, for Mike uh, and myself, uh, Mike was, uh, you know, a fundamental expert, you know, bounce passes, uh, you know, chest passes, uh, shoot the ball the right way. Um, you know, get off the ball kind of thing. Um, and when I went to Sacramento, uh, the whole team had such a high IQ and Mike leading us. And when you have a, a Chris Weber and then you have a Brad Miller, they were point guards as well. So it was easy to score uh, with that type of team and having, like I said before, having Mike Bibby in the backcourt with me. Uh, I think as much as I love Steve, you know, coming into the league, I think Mike um, and that team made it easier for me uh, to score. You know, I'm scoring 18 points, shooting 40-something percent from three, um, and 40-something, high 40s uh, from two. And it was very easy. I didn't really have to dribble the ball as much. Uh, you know, and Mike didn't have to dribble the ball as much. Uh, it was more so pass and cut um, and come off a screen. So, um, you know, uh, you know, Mike did definitely deserved his flowers because he, to me, was one of the best point guards, especially in my era. And uh, you know, for for me, I said to myself, they this team was going to win regardless whether they had me or not. Even though I'm averaging 18 points, they're going to have me. They're going to win regardless because they were they were coached well, Rick Edelman, you know, Pete, you know, all those guys. And I said, you know what, I want to challenge. So I had, I was a free agent. So I, you know, my stake was high. So I said, uh, was Kobe was first because Kobe's a free agent as well. So it was Kobe first, and then it was someone else, or me, or then someone else, whatever it was, and, and as, far, as far as the shooting guards, as far as reagents, agents, top shooting guards. So, you know, I said to myself, I said, ah, oh, man, I didn't like L.A., did not like L.A., because I'm from the East Coast, all that fake stuff, blah, 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 whatever. And then I get to L.A., and it wasn't so much about L.A., it, that you know, me growing mentally, uh, and maturity-wise, it was more so the people that come to LA that's acting like there's something different. LA was amazing. The people from LA, the outdoor scene, the activities, the whole thing was just beautiful. I'm like, wow. I said, you know what? I'm I was in Spain, and um, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna try LA. I'm gonna try. Then I called Sam Cassell and I asked Sam, said, Yo, what's up? I think you should come with me, man. And we can we can really turn this 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 organization around. And at first, Sam was a little more. He was a little reluctant. And then he said, uh, yeah, Kat, let's do it. So we go to L.A. And, um, you know, I knew the history, you know, 14-plus years, no playoffs. They're always losing, blah, 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 the whole thing. And I said to myself, it was more so a challenge for myself. It's like, can I help lead a team? Houston Rockets, you make the playoffs. Sacramento, you make the playoffs, right? Um, and that's why I was a little, you know, butthurt about the, the Orlando because they, they lost, they only won 18 games the year before. So for me, I'm like that would have been great to go there and help those guys you know uplift those guys and things like that and that didn't happen so I I took it as more of a challenge going to the Los Angeles Clippers um, and um, getting them to the playoffs and you know just seeing the faces of uh, Kadeem Hardison and Billy Crystal and you know Freddie Muniz and all those guys that were loyal fans for so many years and once we clinch and we make it I mean the city the stadium everything was just amazingly beautiful uh, Sam was a yeller, but it, it meant he 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 meant it in a very um, uplifting way, right? And uh, if you didn't have tough skin, it was kind of hard. But again, Sam would kind of get you out of the the holes that you were in mentally, right? Because he would attack, and then he would slow your brain down a little bit, or he may give you the ball in an easy spot, just different things like that. But I met Sam my rookie year in Houston, and and another um, underrated point guard that I love to death was Nick Van Exel, and him and Sam were. Titus vice grips okay so we they took me in I was their guy and they would teach me certain things along with Alvin Williams just how to like attack the game how to play hard how to do those different things and you know for me um, uh, I think it was my uh, 2004 2005 my fifth or sixth year is when I went to the Clippers and I was sitting there like you know what Sam was a free agent I'm like Sam I think me and you should help the Clippers man I think we can do this and at first, he was like, nah, come on, Cat. Are you serious? The Clippers? I'm like, Sam, I'm telling you. You got Elton Brand. You got Corey Maggette. You got a nice little unit there. These Both of these boys average 20. They're gamers. All we got to do is change the mindset. And um, having Sam, I don't think people really understand how lethal Sam was. Sam, he may have been scared or fearful inside because all of us have these emotions, Right. But there's there's a certain amount of people that never show it. And he never showed that. Right. Um, he wanted to win all the time. Um, and he you know, he he uh, he would let you know that. Right. Whether it's practice, you know, shooting drills, just different things like that. So I was, uh, you know, blessed to be around a person that was so competitive. Uh, at a very young age in NBA, right? Uh, because you can you can easily be around somebody that's a little docile, a little, you know, not don't want to be competitive, things like that. But I, Nick Van Exel, Avery Johnson helped me out big time. So in having those three guys uh, around me my rookie year to help me with that transition from college to pro, I think that's what helped me the most. Especially Sam, because we stuck together, you know, every single day. Yo, you know what time it is. You know, this show wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for our sponsors. Let them have it. Um, I'm not just saying this because he's here, but Baron was such an amazing... He, just a talent. Like, pass the ball, get everybody in it. He didn't really have to shoot the ball. Him and Jason Kidd to me, and, you know, Magic Johnson, and, you know... uh, uh, it's so many of them. So I'm, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you Magic. I'm gonna give you. Um. Jason Kidd is my my next one. I go Baron. I go Steve. And, I mean, it's so hard. Um. I'm gonna go. Well, you're talking about when I played, right? Okay, whatever. Well, Magic wasn't when I played, but everybody else was. Um. I, It's hard, man, because I love Steph Curry. I love him so much. But I think Steph Curry is more of a... See, because my point guards, and I have to explain this, because my point guards are like Baron Davis. My point guards are Jason Kidd. My point guards are Magic Johnson. My point guards are like Mark Jackson, you know, because they were... They passed first. Even Steve was more of a score. But, like, these guys would pass, and it, it, it... Not just pass because you're passing, but just pass because it's like playing chess. They were like playing chess in the game. And watching them, uh, it was amazing. You know, Steve Nash and, you know, uh, 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 Mark Price and John Stockton. I just, that's very hard to, to really give you a top five because how I looked at a point guard was making sure everybody eats. Um, and Steve did that, right? Steve's getting eight assists, nine assists a game. Um, you know, uh, Steph Curry, you know, he, he gets his assists a game, but certain guys that that's what they did first. That's, you know, they did that first. And, um, I think Steve was just an athlete, you know, Steve was just so amazing, but I would go magic. I would go Mark Jackson, uh, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson, uh, Baron and, um, John Stockton Because it was just For me being a two guard You know I'm running that floor I knew what they are gonna do (laughs) You know what I mean So You know And then you know I'll trickle with my other guys After that Okay so I'm gonna name my point guard And I'm just gonna give him A jump shot Because he did everything great Jason Kidd That's my point guard And I'm gonna give him Steph Curry's jump shot or even Mark Price's jump shot, but he everything. Jason Kidd to me, he was six four. He was you know strong. He played D. He got everyone involved. Jason Kidd can win a game on ten points, eight points, and everybody's eating. Like it, he was fast, right? His anticipation skills were off the charts. His his basketball IQ was no other. You, I mean, you don't have to be 6'8 or 6'9. You don't have to... I mean, that doesn't... What is that? You know what I mean? Like, he just... 6'4. Super smart. He was winning since he was in high school. Grade school. I mean, rarely did we lose. And, you know, with just Stephen Curry shot. You know what I mean? Like, just for me, that's the perfect kind of guard. Point guard. Well, I think there's a few different things. Um that we have to really understand as as mentors first is be vulnerable when you explained when you explain to younger guys how to become the best version of themselves. And when I say be vulnerable, let them know you were scared. Let them know that, you know, the night before this, you did that. You know, you have to be very specific, right? It's got to be, it's got to be humbling, um, and then now when I when I go into that that perspective or that explanation of what you need to do, um, first you need to understand yourself and your limitations. Then you have to understand your boundaries, right? Because I think to be successful, um, the most important thing is your boundaries, right? Whether it's your mother, your father, your girlfriend your friends, this stuff, your boundaries, you have to be strict with yourself and that's what Kobe did. You know, he getting argue with mom and dad, right? <laughs> he getting arguing with this person, that because he understood his boundary. you know he he had boundaries. And I think that's the first thing that you have to understand is uh, being strict with yourself, um, understanding that it's okay to feel anxiety, to feel fear to feel pain, to feel scared. And once you really start to embrace that and understand those uncomfortable feelings, then you start to introduce them individually within oneself and say, okay, listen, I know how this feels with five minutes left in the game. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to breathe. I'm go- The rim ain't changing. The ball ain't changing. It's just your mindset's changing. So how do I control that? So if we can start at a very young age learning how to control those things, I think that will help you get to that next level faster right to that next chapter faster right to finish this whatever series of books that you will have in your life and um and listen to yourself listen to your body a lot of people second guess you know god in the universe it gives you these different types of cheat sheets and clues you know you can watch baron davis you can watch the movie Kobe bryant you can watch the inspirational quotes that they've said and things like that so study it if you want to become something you have to be it you have to be around it right? I'm a behavioral analysis. I have to say, okay, you know what? To, to understand a serial killer, I have to go with inside that serial killer's mind. I have to study that person. To understand a basketball player, a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever it is, I have to be around it every day. It's a 10,000 hour Malcolm Gladwell theory, right? You just can't just, oh, wow, I watched a couple of highlights or I did this and I didn't go to any games. It doesn't have to be your game. It could be a, an opponent's game. It could be a friend's game. You will still learn something from it. So I say that to all the younger guys. If if you're not studying the game, and the game starts with inside oneself, then you're going to lack, and you're going to miss all the, the possibilities that the universe is gifting you. So uh, going back to everything, the sacrifice... Is understanding your boundary So you have to sacrifice No, my girl No, my dad No, my mom No, my friends I'm going to study And I'm going out to do Play ball My boundaries But if you let everybody in your boundary You're going to miss studying You're going to miss hooping Oh, your mom, dad You have to understand those things And once you start to understand those things Which are uncomfortable And I say this all the time When I'm speaking to kids Or grown-ups or whatever it is At a very young age, get to the answer fast. What does that mean? That means whatever the uncomfortable feeling is, get to it faster so you can understand how you are when it does happen quicker. So when it is uncomfortable in life, you yourself, because you've done it so much, you are comfortable now in uncomfortable situations. Because LeBron James and Stephen Curry and all these guys, Steph got a tech the other day. The ref should have called it. He was mad as heck at the ref. Oh, he was so frustrated. And instead of him, after he got the tech, instead you know what he did? Scored 11 straight. Because he's understands the game so much, he's been around it, that in uncomfortable positions, he was comfortable. And that's what you have to be. You have to put yourself, calm your, calm your body, calm your mind, and put yourself back into that zen state where you're saying to yourself, okay, this is that uncomfortable moment. Do I sabotage it? Do I cry wolf, do I become a martyr Or do I prevail So that's that's what it is man Put yourself in those uncomfortable, uncomfortable positions so, so in turn later in life You become comfortable And you start that at a very young age by boundaries Point guy is